Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors, and I'm delighted you've joined us today. I'm your host, Dr. Alan. While many multifamily investors shy away from Section 8 housing, our guest embraces the opportunities hidden in this asset class. Matthew Teifke is the founder and lead broker of Teifke Real Estate, a single-family and small multifamily brokerage company based in Round Rock, Texas. Watching his single mother invest in properties at the age of 13 uh, immediately drew Matthew to the industry. Matthew has now grown Teifke Real Estate to over 60 realtors and owns over 40 multifamily properties. Matthew also manages over 750 properties. Matthew also holds a master's of real estate from Texas A&M and College Station and at the age of 17 became a licensed realtor. In 2012, Matthew was also voted Rookie Realtor of the Year. So Matthew, share a memorable experience from your formative years that helped you to be who you are today. I love it. Thank you for having me on. The biggest memorable moment that I have was when I was about 15 and I went to Africa and it was actually on a uh, mission trip and it's where I ended up accepting Christ. And it was really a eye-opening experience. I had always had this passion of feeling a little weird about the things that we have access to living here in America and hearing about you know people that need water and just thinking such a basic need. And it's something that at least, you know, anywhere that I live and probably most places in the US, you, you don't really think about, you take it for granted. And so I struggled with that for many years of like, we're living this way and people in other countries are living a, another way. But the, the big takeaway that I had was they're actually really happy there, at least the people that I was around. And they were happy because they have their family and they're not you know, dealing with all these distractions that we have in the U.S., and I was just fascinated to see you can have a lo- you can have a little, but still have more than most, and have a lot in other ways. And that was a big takeaway for me. And so it's always been on my heart to keep that perspective and to realize that money, as I'm growing a business, and things and materials aren't what make me or people happy, in my opinion. And it was life-changing. As I said, I accepted Christ there and uh, definitely changed the trajectory of my life in, in a lot of ways that I probably don't even imagine or probably even subconsciously think about. Well, an excellent uh, perspective to keep at the forefront of your mind that living in the moment and relationships are some of the most important things to happiness and fulfillment. And actually, the science of positive psychology is actually bearing that out more and more and more the more research we do in conjunction with that area. Well, Matthew, tell us about building generational wealth through uh, real estate investments. Yeah, I think real estate is an amazing sector of business that obviously everybody knows about, but I say to keep it simple, you're either paying your own mortgage or you're paying somebody else's. And it pretty much has something to do with everything we all do on a daily basis, if not 24-7. And real estate just allows the opportunity for you to get amazing tax benefits, to utilize leverage, 
to use other people's money sometimes and to accumulate assets that are tangible and real and that you can pass on down to your family. So that's the generational aspect of it. It changed my mom's life. She was a single mom and she started buying properties. And and then I was fascinated by, wow, you can take 20 grand and put it towards a house and then someone pays it off the rest of it for 30 years. Obviously, there's a lot more details and expenses and things that come up, but the general idea of it was fascinating. I had my run-in with some stocks and still do up and down, up and down. And uh, real estate just kind of stays steady. It's an amazing hedge against inflation, especially nowadays with the printing machine not shutting off anytime soon. And I really believe in the fact that everybody has the ability to own real estate. And it's just a matter of, do they want to focus on that? And they do have the ability to do that, whether it's investing passively and in, in stuff like you do, or buying their primary residence or wholesaling or, you know, finding Airbnb arbitrage. Like there's so many aspects that if anybody really wants to do it, I believe they can, but it takes a long time. It takes a lot of consistency and it takes sacrifice as far as not spending money in other places, right? Like everybody goes out to eat and well, not everybody, but people go out to eat and they spend money at bars and this and that. And you know what I saw my mom do was not do any of that. And over probably 12, 13 years, she would buy one or two properties a year. And now she's at a really good point in her life where um, those properties are going to be paid off. And it still took a lot of work. And that's what I think a lot of people don't understand is you don't go buy five properties and you retire. You know, you got you to gotta get 50 of them and you got to take t- 10 years or 20 years. And that was really cool for me to learn and, and to see the, how it was possible, but then also what it meant to have those properties. So the, you know, that's something that eventually she might pass down to me, but I started building my own portfolio and my own path. And uh, she helped a lot in, in many different ways. But it's something that I do plan to pass on to my kids. And that's the whole generational wealth. And there's all kinds of things that people believe in. And you know, I was just listening to a podcast today where some of these billionaires like give nothing to their kids. And on some aspects, I understand that. But then I, what I was hearing on this podcast is like, it's not about not giving anything to your kids. It's, it's maybe you didn't raise them the right way. Like maybe you don't feel comfortable giving it to them for certain reasons because you're going to give that money to someone else's kids. And so the generational thing can be amazing if you, if you're intentional and hopefully I can do that. I have two young boys and just got me thinking a lot about just being intentional and trying to teach them best way I can. But that's the whole generational side, which is amazing, which I don't really... I know it can exist with stocks and all these other things, but I don't really feel like it, it exists in the same way. And you have as much control and security as you do with real estate. I like that that very basic concept uh, you put out there that you're either paying your mortgage or you're paying someone else's mortgage. And that really is a nice summation of, I think, really the of what makes real estate so beneficial and such a great investment. And like you pointed out, there are so many avenues in which you can go into real estate and there's not just one single way to do it. And the other thing I think you really made clear there is is that it's like money and time is so uh, important to actually building wealth. And whether it's real estate or other types of investments, it's that time factor that is so crucial to really 
developing financial independence and particularly developing that generational aspect of wealth that you can pass on to your children. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you touched on it a little bit here in saying that it takes work and it's not something that is easy to be done. But tell us a little bit more about the hard truths of starting your real estate portfolio, particularly if you're starting that from scratch. And what what does it take to actually develop financial independence through a real estate portfolio? Yeah, great question. The hard truths are that it's big money that you're dealing with and expenses are going to come up. Mistakes are going to be made unless you are uh, getting around people that can help you avoid those mistakes. So it's just kind of interesting because I we have done this pretty intensely for a long time and I've seen a lot of different perspectives and ways people approach things. But I've had people that have told me, you know, Matt, I don't really need your help that much. I kind of want to go learn my mistakes by myself. And I'm, I'm like, I get that in some ways, but you don't want that to be in real estate because that's twenty, fifty, hundred thousand dollars mistakes potentially. And so you have to be aware of that. You have to be aware of everything that has to deal with the ownership side and the condition of the property. You got to put in a new roof unexpectedly. That's you know fifteen thousand potentially, or plumbing, same thing. And so to understand that those things are going to happen, it's it's inevitable. And I think the the only way that I know about it is one, with time, that's how you get to the financial freedom aspect, or two, with really, really hard work and discovering opportunities that are significantly below value. And that's it. I mean, you have to make a lot of offers. You have to look at a lot of properties. And if you're going to be doing cash out refinances, you're going to increase your debt, but potentially lower your payment depending on your interest rate. And it just depends on your strategy. But if you go get 10 properties and you just pay them off as quick as possible, you could retire that way. Or you could get 50 and retire in a little bit of a longer period. And so it just depends on your goals, but you don't need a lot of properties to see a lot of value of real estate. I say this all the time, like there's one or two deals out there that could change your financial life forever. And you got to go find it. And a lot of people don't want to do what it takes. They don't want to stay consistent. And uh, the people that are, are getting that value out of real estate. We'll be right back after a brief announcement. Are you a busy professional, passionate about the work of your calling, yet realize that even though you love what you are doing, you're exchanging your time for money? You know that if you were to lose the ability to exchange time for money, your financial well-being will be in jeopardy. If you can relate, I have great news. Steve Tucker Capital is an investment company designed for professionals to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Remove the anxiety of an uncertain financial future and go to steetalker.com. Get your free one-page 10-step guide to passive real estate investing. Absolutely. And it is amazing how just a few properties can make a tremendous difference. I started out with just a couple of properties and that certainly did not provide financial independence, but boy, did it make a difference in terms of my well-being, my satisfaction, and my whole outlook on life because it just changed your whole changes your whole way of thinking when you have even just a little bit of passive income to, to change your whole mindset and the whole way that you look at, uh, at life. And it doesn't take a whole lot to do that. Well, you talk about networking and creating long-term partnerships. And I suspect that 
like with the hard truths of starting your real estate portfolio, it's not something that is done overnight and it is not something that is done accidentally. So tell us about these processes of networking and creating partnerships and why you would even bother to do that rather than just being the lone wolf and going at it on your own. Yeah. When you find people that you know are serious and committed and you feel like you can trust, you can do a lot more together. That's the basic premise. And I try to do it really almost as a full-time job. I try to meet everybody I can. Number one thing is to stay consistent and connected over a long period of time. And most people might just have that meeting and not do it again. But you really, what I, the way I look at it, you're really just looking for people that you feel that you can trust. You feel that are serious about what they do. Try to figure out how to help them and do it over a long period of time. And it's a matter of time before you guys do something together. You help them out. They help you out and grow together with other people. It's fun. It's exciting. You get to see new things, hear new things, learn new things. And back to the long term, like I've had three meetings today with people. And the way I view it is whatever happens with those people will probably be a year from now or two years from now. But when you have a lot of those going on at all times, it gets really fun and you start building a network. Most people, I think, understand that your network is extremely important. And once you realize that and start treating it that way and foster that and build it and you know take care of it, then you can start seeing those benefits. But some people just rather be lone wolf, which is totally fine. I just think there's... I could be wrong, but probably most of the time, there's, there's less ability to scale and grow. But some people could probably lock themselves in a room and go create Amazon, right? So it just depends on what your goals are. Everyone approaches things different, but I love the idea of just having a big network and you know, we try to enjoy life, right? And, and I like to be around people and I like to learn and I like to have a lot of friends and uh, I'm just trying to build that the best way I personally can. Well, you mentioned you had three meetings today. Would you consider those meetings networking or were they partnership meetings? Those were all networking. Most of what I do is meet new people. I've been focused on building a knowledge base and resources for the first half of my real estate career. And then four or five years ago, I realized the importance of just meeting and connecting with people. And so I have the ability to, in in my view, I have the ability to meet people. And if they're serious about real estate, there is a way I can add value. And I just have to figure that out. Maybe it's through a connection or through capital or through deal flow or through a contractor. And so the more people I can meet and provide that value for, the more we can grow together in the long run. So most of the time, it's new people. Like like all the people I met today are are people that I've never met before. And I do that as a full-time job, essentially. On average, how many meetings do you have a week with in terms of networking, in terms of people you've not met with before. 17 is probably 17. average. Really? Yeah. And I've done it where, you know, I, I literally had times where I did six, six, seven a day, but mm-hmm. I got a little burnt out. And I, was, I wasn't able to be fully present. I was tired. I was trying to rush through. So now it's try to do three every day, at least. That is an impressive number of meetings per day, uh, just for the purpose of networking. Are these in-person? Are they over coffee? Are they through Zoom? What kind of meetings are they? They're all in-person. All in-person. Mostly coffees, but I'll do lunches too. Okay. 
And there's just something I've thought about doing Zoom and I do it every now and then, but there is something special to meeting in person and getting to see somebody. And it doesn't take much to to get, you know, I go meet a, a real estate agent, right? Just one time and they have a listing and it's got multiple offers. And I'm one of those 15 offers. I do have a leg up mm-hmm. by having taken that time and bought that coffee and met that person. And that's just one aspect of it. And so it's really fascinating what can happen when you approach it and not a way of like, how do I get something out of this for myself, but how do I help you? And let's see what happens later. Yeah, that is a good approach. How do you approach these people to just to set up a meeting? Every which way. I have uh, some people that reach out to me. A lot of it's set up through social media. So we have a pretty robust marketing team where we have a YouTube channel. We're putting out videos every day. Every kind of platform we post five or six times every day. And so people reach out there and they know who we are. I get other people that introduce me to people any possible way. Like I, I literally am just, you know, all in mm-hmm. on meeting. It might be a developer, it might be a banker, it might be a kid in high school, kid in college, one of our real estate agents. I'm just like fully accessible to meet with. So uh, since they're all in-person meetings, I'm assuming that most of those people live or work in the area. So I'm just thinking I live in rural Appalachia. I wouldn't really have that many opportunities to connect with people who are within within even uh, an hour's drive of where I live. So you yeah. definitely have to be in a metropolitan area to to find that kind of access. How many people would you say live in a three or five mile radius of you? Within a three or five mile radius, probably, I don't know, 25,000 people. Oh, wow. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, I just think like, depending on where you want to spend your time, I was going to think it was a lot less than that. And I was going to say, uh, you could get to know literally everybody, but you know, if there's that many people, it's probably not that hard to meet people. So that this is just my approach is like, the more people, you know, the better. Mm Yeah, and true. if you could imagine doing one or two a day, you start to know, I mean, you be, you become the person who knows more people than 99% of the people in your area and, yeah. and however you want to take that, but it can be very valuable and you can become a really good resource. Yeah, that's true. That's a good way to look at that. Well, how do you take uh, these network connections and create long-term partnerships from them? Well, it, it starts with getting to know somebody. And that's the number one number one thing before you have a partnership is know who they are, know what their values are. And over time, you start to see how serious and committed they are. So that's the first process. And then as far as teaming up, a lot of these people uh, will actually bring us deals and they'll find an opportunity and then we can help bring capital and help get a loan. And then we own the properties together. Might be a flip, might be a long-term hold. We prefer to do long-term holds over flips, but that it's it's pretty much that simple. Like find people that you agree with their philosophy and approach on life and business, if you can. And then how do you guys you know bring different values together? One may be capital, one may be finding the deal, or both may be capital because it requires more than one person has, and just teaming up and buying real estate. Well, excellent. Well, Matthew, you have a lot to share and you do a lot of networking. So how can we connect with you? I'm very easy to get a hold of. Give you guys my cell phone number, 512-914-4806. My email is matttyfke at gmail.com. 
We are all over Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, you name it. We got a YouTube channel. I've got to be one of the easiest people to get a hold of, I would imagine, because I get back pretty quickly and I try not to miss many calls. So what's your preferred means of getting in touch with you? Call my cell phone. Call Keep it cell simple. Phone. Okay. All righty. Okay. Well, Matthew, I have one closing question here, and that is share one of your most difficult setbacks in life. And I guess this is a multi-layered question, but how did you come through that time? And what did you learn from that experience? And this could be related to business and real estate or just any other difficult situation in your life? Yeah, for me, it was actually had to do with sports. I grew up my whole life playing baseball. I wasn't really the most athletic, but I did work really hard and I tried really hard. And I grew up in a a city round rock where it's really competitive. Like, you know, just to make the high school team, you got to be really good. And I was on the the lower ring talent wise. Mm -hmm. My freshman year, I did not make the baseball team after playing my entire life, like since I was six years old. And that really was for me at the time, pretty devastating. I was crushed and broken down and just like, it crushed me. Yeah. And so I had two options, just give up on baseball or fight and try to make it the next year. And so I literally told myself, I want to do this and I want to do everything I possibly can to make the team. And I just thought, I was like, I was like, God, if, if, this is meant for me. I'm going to do everything every day at all times to make the team. And I want to also prove to myself if if that's a mindset that you have, can you accomplish whatever you want? And so I spent the next year training like crazy, running sprints every night. I was doing batting practice and training, you know, on ground balls and pitching and everything. And the next year I made the team. And it was like my own personal Rudy story where mm-hmm. you uh do whatever you need to, to accomplish your goal. And it meant a lot to me personally to make that happen. And then I played the next year and ultimately was able to play on the varsity team my junior year. And so that was, that was big for me. And the, the takeaway was if you truly want something bad enough and you're willing to do everything you possibly can, you can accomplish that goal. Well, interesting there. So you weren't on the team. So did you have a coach? I mean, that was a lot of commitment, a lot of work. Did you have a coach through that period of time? Yeah, I had a guy that uh, his name was Robert Culver. And he was just a family friend, and he would take me to the cages, and he would time. I'd go do sprints, and he would time me. Did did a lot on my own as well, just because he couldn't be there all the time. But he was definitely what I would say the coach that helped uh, guide me through that process. Was he into baseball himself, or just uh, yeah, I love love baseball. You know, you know, yeah, okay, I really so. loved it. So he could really guide you through that and help you through that. Well, yeah, and if. One one other thing that's just kind of interesting, I mean, because I'm trying to coach people too on real estate. And mm-hmm. if you're willing to do that as the person that is looking for the help or the training, I don't think it's that hard for the coach. I mean, obviously I, I respect him and he he helped me a lot, but like I'm only saying this because if you're willing to do whatever it takes, there are people that are gonna get excited about that. Like if they see you're willing to do what they tell you and do it 10 times more and they're, they're going to want to help you in a lot of cases. And so it was really, really pretty special. Yeah. Sounds like a really good relationship. You still in touch with him? Yeah. Yeah. He yeah, does a lot yeah. of maintenance for properties that we own and he's a maintenance coordinator on a management company that we started and ended up selling. And uh, just a guy that I really respect. Yeah. Well, it's interesting how those relationships are 
important in those times, but how they can also uh, endure over time as well. Well, Matthew, it's been very pleasant having you on our show today. Very good conversation. I enjoyed it very much. So thanks for being with us. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Uh, It means a lot. And uh, I love what you're doing. And uh, any way we can help and provide value for you or your listeners, we're all in. Appreciate that. The same to you as well. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steed Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steed Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steed Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at steedtalker.com.